0: Good morning, church, so good to be with you. Uh, If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5. Micah is a minor prophet. If you don't know where it's at, if you just kind of open your Bible right in the middle, you'll go hopefully to Psalm, turn over a few pages to the right, and there you will find Micah. Uh, Hey, my name is Jonathan Galvan. To those of you who do not know me, I get to serve as our pastor of corporate worship And uh, this morning, get the privilege of opening up God's word with you this morning. Uh, Last week, we started a new series here at Redeemer titled, The King is Coming. There it is. The King is Coming. And uh, we want to consider some of the Old Testament prophecies regarding the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. You know, it's truly an amazing thought that hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God had shared through the prophets how the Messiah would come. And Jesus came to fulfill these prophecies. Church, it's important that we are all clear about this, is that essentially the Bible is a book about Jesus. Alistair Begg is one of my favorite preachers. He said it this way, in the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the Gospels, we see Jesus is revealed. In the Epistles, he is explained. And in Revelation, Jesus is expected. This morning, we are going to be focusing in on Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. You know, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. Anybody else? All right, a few of us. I I expected a little more. I mean, I love Christmas. Um, Everything about it, the weather, the hot chocolate, the lights. I was on a walk the other night, and one of my neighbors has, like, a 16-foot reindeer. And it just, like, put a smile on my face. I, I love the Christmas season, and um, as we are approaching December, um, just for our family, one of there's been some a lyric that has been in my mind, and it's that old Christmas hymn, "Joy to the Worlds," where the verse says, "Let every heart prepare him room." I've just been thinking about that as we're coming to the season. It is so easy for us to get swept away with kind of a secular idea about Christmas. And it is easy for us to worship the season and not the Savior. And this passage that we are in this morning, I believe, and as I've been praying, will help to stir our hearts to come and adore adore this Jesus, this Messiah who came as a baby. Micah is one of the 12 minor prophets. And when you hear the word minor, it's easy to maybe think that these minor prophets are less important, but that is simply not the case. They're called minor just because of the brevity of their books. Isaiah is a giant book in the Bible, Jeremiah is one of the big ones, Micah is only seven chapters. And Micah is prophesying during the same time that the prophet Isaiah was around. And these words that he's saying about the coming Jesus, this coming Messiah, he wrote 700 years before Jesus would be born. Micah is writing during a time where the nation of Israel is in deep trouble with God. The people of God were in moral decay and God's people were experiencing trouble and hostility. That's the context of Micah. And there in the midst of their trouble, Nations coming to attack them, this word of hope comes to them. This promised Messiah, it comes into the story. Let's read it together Micah chapter 5, beginning at verse 2. If you're there, say, I got it. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth Will you bow your head with me? Father, what a joy it is to gather with your people. Lord, to sing songs that remind us of who you are, that our God is a refuge, to remind us that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so, Lord, I pray just this morning as we look at this prophecy about the coming Messiah. Oh, God, would you stir our hearts this morning? Supernaturally, will you do something to give us just an amazing, majestic picture of who you are and trust you to do it? And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. His people said, amen. Micah gives us five incredible pictures about the coming Messiah. This one who is to come, this anointed one, this chosen one who is Jesus. And the first picture that we see is that the promised Messiah will come not as you would expect. Look at how the verse begins Micah 5:2, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Bethlehem is a small town about 5 miles south of Jerusalem. Bethlehem is has some significance because it is the hometown of King David. If you remember 1 Samuel Chapter 17, 12, when David comes on the scene, we learn now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. David was one of the greatest kings of Israel and Bethlehem was his hometown. And Micah is sharing that there is a new David that will come from Bethlehem, a better David. You might remember the conversation that the wise men had with King Herod. These astrologers had seen this star, and in Matthew 2 2, they come to Herod and they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And Herod was troubled about this information. And so Herod calls all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he asks them, from where will this Christ be born? And you know what those religious leaders did? They pointed him to Micah chapter five. Look at what Matthew Chapter two, verse six says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, my people Israel. Bethlehem is known for its lowly status. You are too little is what the prophet says among the clans. Bethlehem is an insignificant town It's not very noteworthy place. Out of all places for the Savior to be born, why the little town of Bethlehem? Wouldn't it make more sense in our minds for the Messiah to be born in Rome? Rome is the epicenter of the world at that time. Or what about Jerusalem? Wouldn't Jerusalem have made more sense, this holy city, and yet God in his providence chooses that the Messiah will come from the little town of Bethlehem. See, church, there's such a significant lesson there. And the lesson is that God delights to elevate The lowly. Did you hear me say that? God delights to elevate the lowly. Man, we see that all over the place in the Bible. I think about the story of David and Goliath, this shepherd boy that comes and sees the Philistines mocking the people of God. And when David approaches Goliath, Goliath is offended, and he says, am I some kind of dog that you would bring this little child to come and fight me, a man? And yet God is in the business of delighting and elevating the lowly. Reminds me of the story of Gideon. Do you remember the story of Gideon? The people of God are being attacked and harassed. And Gideon, we see him, he's hiding. And the angel of God comes to him and says, Gideon, I want to use you to lead my people. And Gideon says in Judges 6.15, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. There's somebody far greater than me that you could use. There's somebody probably more qualified for you to use, and yet that is just the story. That's how God works. Delights in elevating the lowly. Who was it that heard that this Jesus had been born in Bethlehem? Who were the first to hear? Do you remember? It was the shepherds. The shepherds hanging out with the sheep and the goats. And they are suddenly awakened by angels saying good news. I bring you good tidings of great joy for unto you is born today in the city of David a baby who is Christ the Lord. Jesus, the announcement of Jesus comes to the lowly, to the shepherds. Why am I belaboring this point that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? is because you, you see this all throughout the Bible, church, is that God, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. Think about how Jesus talked to the church of Corinth, Corinth uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. There's incredible news for us this morning is God does not grant his favor or salvation based on our greatness or our achievement. It's not based on that. But God chooses who he will, and God delights to elevate the humble. The Promised Messiah, He did not come as we would expected Him to come, but He came humbly. He came love lowly. The second picture that we see about the promised Messiah is that the promised Messiah has come to be a ruler. Let's look at verse two. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler. In Israel, as I mentioned at the beginning, the contents context of Micah is one of strife and struggle. Look at Micah chapter four. Just look to the next page here. Micah chapter four, verses eleven and twelve. Now, many nations are assembled against you, saying, "Let her be defiled, and let our eyes gaze upon Zion." They want to see the destruction of the people of God, verse 12, but they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. In God's providence, he brings Jesus to be the Messiah who will be God's ruler, a ruler for his people. God wanted a kingdom established that would last forever. God wanted to establish a kingdom that was based on holiness and righteousness. The kings of Israel were for the most part corrupt and self-seeking. And God sends Jesus to be a ruler who will rule in righteousness who will rule in goodness and kindness. Pastor Jason preached on the book of Isaiah nine last week, but I think it's so helpful because it paints a picture of what Jesus came to do. Look at Isaiah nine, verses six through seven. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. There is coming a day, church, where Jesus will establish his kingdom he will be a ruler i just i was thinking about this this week you know you can ask my wife almost every morning as i'm making maybe breakfast for the family i'm listening to the news i want to know what's going on and the wall street journal arrives and i want to kind of take a peek because i want to know what's happening in the world and so I'm driving to work, and I'm listening to the podcast, kind of hearing the news. And if I'm honest, I just start to get so depressed. Has anybody ever been there? And I just sometimes I just had to kind of stop listening to the news because I'm like, man, this world is so messed up. And our leaders, our political leaders, are so many of them are corrupt. And you hear about the corrupt things happening with those leaders over there and those leaders over there. And everywhere you look, it just seems like there's so much injustice. So much poor leadership. And church, if we're not careful, we can place a kind of false hope In our political leaders. Oh, maybe this one will fix it. And maybe secretly down in our heart, we think, oh, yeah, this is the one. But man, what a great reminder from the book of Micah is that the promised Messiah has come to be a ruler that will rule in righteousness and justice. Godliness. But catch this, church. He will not only be a a ruler according to Micah 5, but listen, he will also, the promised Messiah, point number three, he has come to be a shepherd. Look at verse 4 of Micah 5. And he, this Messiah, shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. The kings of Israel were called to be shepherds. They were supposed to shepherd God's people. See, what did a shepherd do? The shepherd was responsible to guide the sheep, to feed the sheep, to protect them. And this was what God intended for the leaders of Israel to do, but so often they did not. We get a picture from the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34, listen to the verdict that is out on the leaders of Israel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel You have not healed the injured. You have not bound up the strayed. You have not brought back the lost. You have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. What an indictment against the leaders of Israel that Ezekiel, the prophet, gives to them. And here Micah is bringing just an incredible word of hope that this new ruler, this Messiah, that he's coming, he's coming to be a shepherd. It's Jesus that tells us in John 10 I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. But what a comfort for God's people is that Jesus has come to shepherd the people of God. He will not Forsake us, he will not leave us. What an incredible comfort. I'm reminded of how Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. And in that, we see God's heart for his people. Jesus tells His disciples, and he he tells the crowds in Matthew 11, 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church Jesus is the good shepherd. He's not a hired hand, but he leaves in ninety-nine to come for the one that got away. When trouble comes, he does not run away he does not forsake us. The scriptures are clear that he will never leave us. That is who the promised Messiah is. The fourth picture that Micah 5 teaches us is that the promised Messiah is from ancient days. Look at verse two. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old." from ancient days. When was Jesus sent forth? Most commentators believe, and what I believe, is that he is talking about the time before the foundation of the world. It was in the mind of God the Father and God the Son Before the creation of the world, this plan had been set in motion. Before God declared, let there be light, the plan had already been established in heaven that Jesus would come to redeem his people. Paul gives us a glimpse of this in Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five. Let's Listen to this, he chose us in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That is when it was planned. whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. How great your salvation. It was not an accident, but God before the foundations of the world decided to save you. He is everlasting. He has always been. God is referred to as the ancient of days. John 1, 1 and 2 paints this picture for us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then verse 14 explains it even more. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. A couple of weeks ago, sitting around the breakfast table, trying to have a, a little devotional, those, those can be hard when you have a seven, five, and one-year-old. It's challenging. But we were, somehow we were talking about Jesus being born, and one of my children asked me, Daddy, how is it that Jesus was born in Bethlehem but he has always been? So how was he born? said, baby, it's a mystery. I don't know how it all works. But that's exactly what this verse is getting at. Is Jesus is God and he has always been? He was there at creation, who's coming forward. Not only was he there, but his coming, the fact that he would come is from of old, from ancient days, it was decided. Lastly, we see from Micah 5 that the promise Messiah will be our peace and security. Look at verse 5 and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. I want us to consider what peace he is talking about and what kind of security he's referring to. Because clearly what he is talking about is not a kind of security that means that no trouble will ever come your way. Because if you look at the lives of the apostles and the disciples and every Christian, and what Jesus has told us is, man, we will have trials in this life. Trials and tribulations, yes, they will come. So what kind of security and what kind of peace is he Referring to. See, church, there is a kind of peace that only comes from God. It is that peace that Paul would say that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that God gives to his people when they are in the hardest of moments and times in the greatest seasons of despair and yet in those moments, somehow God is able to bring peace in those difficult times. But there's a, a second kind of peace that is, I would call it a political peace. A peace where A day coming where you won't need to to lock your car or you won't need to uh, lock the door at your house because God will be the ruler and there will be peace. That day is not now. That day will come. But Micah paints a picture of it in Micah 4. Look at it with me. It's not on the screen. Micah 4 verse 3. He will judge between many peoples and shall... Decide disputes for strong nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. There is that kind of peace that is to come, that Jesus will bring when he is establishes His kingdom. But there's another kind of peace that Jesus, the Messiah, will bring. And it is the desperate peace that we need to have peace with God the Father. Paul tells us in Colossians that. We all in our natural state are at war with God. We were alienated from him as a result of our sin. The sin that occurred in the garden and that separation that occurs has marked us all. As Paul would say in Romans, that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And the greatest peace that we were in need of was to have peace with God. And it's Jesus, our savior, our Messiah, who drank the cup of God's wrath on our behalf so we could have peace with God. He is our peace. One of our favorite songs to sing here at Redeemer is a song called In Christ Alone. Several years ago, a prominent denomination here in the U.S. wanted to put that song, In Christ Alone, in their hymnal. But there was a particular line in that song that they did not like, and they wanted it changed. And the line that they did not like is this one. And on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. The committee of this big denomination here in the US They did not like that line. And they wanted to change it and here's what they wanted to change it to. And on that cross, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Well, that's also true. That's also true. Yes, at the cross, the love of God is magnified And so this committee reached out to the writer of In Christ Alone. And they asked him, we want to use your hymn in our new hymnal, but we don't want that line in there. We want to make this change. And you know what they said? Absolutely not. Because... If you take out God's wrath against judgment from the story of the gospel, you empty the gospel of everything. Because church, we were enemies of God because of our sin. Our sin stood in the way of a relationship with God and God who is rich in mercy. He sends his son Jesus to die the death that we deserve to absorb the full wrath of God so that you and I through Jesus could have peace with God. Paul says it best. He sums it up in Romans 5 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, not by what we could do to do it, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So, a question for us, church, this morning, for everyone here is do you have peace with God? He is our peace. You can only have peace through faith in Christ. Christ did what we could not do, died the death we deserved at the cross. And the scripture is clear that whoever believes in him will be saved. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word What a beautiful picture for us this morning. A reminder of the promised Messiah. Thank you that you are our peace, that you are our security. Lord, would you. Help us this Christmas season, Lord, to see you more clearly, to be in awe of how great a salvation we have in Christ. I pray it would be a comfort to us that you are the good shepherd who lays down his life for sheep, that you are the good ruler. Lord, we thank you that you are our peace and security. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.